welcome to today's episode of the Awaken Me podcast. For today's episode, we've actually had some questions that have come in through us through social media and various outlets. And so Chase, from his location, is going to be throwing some of those questions at me, and then we're going to process through them together. Uh, And so we've kind of selected three. Those shouldn't take too long to get through, but uh, let's begin. Chase, what's uh, what's one of the questions that, that some of our people have been talking about? Yeah, so the first question is a good one, I think, especially with all this time in our hands, is asks, if there's one book of the Bible that I should read, which one would you recommend? There's one book of the Bible I'd recommend starting with the book of John. Uh, The reason for that is it gets you straight into the story of Jesus, and it gets you into the process that he went through and just his life. I think it's a great introduction to why we believe what we believe and how how to live out your faith in that regard. So if you haven't started anywhere, start at the book of John would be my recommendation. What would yours be? Um, for me, I actually, I think, oh, um, first and second Corinthians are a couple of my favorites. Uh, I just read through them recently. I'm trying to read through the whole new Testament. Um, I think just the way that Paul talks about how he writes some of the, the people Corinth. Excellent. I'm glad that you have two books for your one book of the Bible. Should read. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I just, those, I would read first Corinthians. Then, Praise the Lord. Them. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians. If you get through the first one, okay, great. to my face. Anyway, yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, second question is a great one, actually. It asks, if God is all-powerful, then why doesn't he just stop this? This meaning probably the coronavirus. Uh, if God is all-powerful, why doesn't he just stop the coronavirus? <laughs> you know, when I think about that, uh, th- there's multiple layers to that question. Because really it's a question of, of pain and suffering. Why doesn't mm-hmm. God just stop the pain and suffering we're experiencing? Can't God just heal everyone? And at a certain level, like I believe that it could. You see Jesus perform miracles, and I think that's a possibility that that could happen. But the reality is, um, I guess there's several ways to answer it. One of which some theologians would say, well, the kind of evilness and the suffering in this world, perhaps it's fine-tuned at a level that the most people get saved based off the suffering that we experience, because that In times of suffering, it tends Mm. to help people turn back to God. That's a pretty masochistic way of looking at things. Not not that it's necessarily false, but it's that's one way of looking at things. Uh, Another way of looking at things is just it's we're in this situation as a result of the fall of humanity and as a result of of the corruption of our world. Viruses and things that play out is a is a byproduct that we have to live in, and so it's a result of the fall. Uh, Again, unsatisfactory for helping our hearts really wrestle with this because people are dying and this is serious and there's a lot of, of, of suffering as a result of this. And so ultimately what I would say is for those asking that question, perhaps the question isn't why would God stop this? But the question is, do I want to trust in a God who would allow this to happen? Like, do I want to follow God like that? If, if there's a God out there and he's willing to let all of this suffering happen uh, and not just stop it, not intervene, do I want to believe and trust in that? And that, I think, is the, is the actual question to address because yes. I'm not God. I don't know why he doesn't stop certain things. But, but I think we can get a little further in the question of can we actually trust this God? And at that point, that's a question of faith. There's one philosopher who said, where reason ends, faith begins. And at any point, we are all going to have these moments where we can logic something to a certain degree, but then we reach a point where our reason has ended. Our ability to understand stops. And my mom used to always say, if if I could figure out everything what God was doing, I don't know that I want to follow a God that small. Mm -hmm. And and I appreciated that because it, it just... 
there's so much that we don't understand, right? But at a core, when it comes to trusting in Jesus, that's that's a personal question of with everything you see in the world, can you still trust Jesus knowing the problem, the pain, and all the suffering that goes on there? And you might come to a point of like, well, all right, Jesus may exist. He may be the God of the universe, but I don't want to follow someone like that. In which case, I'd take you to Job because, well... God had some strong responses to Job's complaints of like, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? So while it is not as comforting as a thought, really, I think it comes down to, do we trust in Jesus? And in times of pain and suffering, it really pushes us to the edge of our reason and to that point of faith. And we get to really understand for ourselves, where is my faith at? And, And is it what we thought it would be? And I would encourage people to wrestle through that because your relationship with God isn't or shouldn't be your parents' relationship or it shouldn't be uh, what what someone else told you you think you should be. Like your relationship with Jesus is, is a relationship and you have to decide for yourself what that's going to be. Now there's implications with that decision. Just because you don't like something doesn't make it not true. Mm. I may not like that the world is in the way that it is, but uh, and again, if I was God, we'd be in a much worse off state. And so you can try to pretend that you have the answers and you know how to do things best, or you can trust Jesus is who he says he is. And as unsettling as that, I feel like there's a comfort in that as well, at least for me. What about for you? Yeah. Well, I'm going to push back a little bit. I think that like, uh, everything you said, I've heard before in church, my two questions, first of all, uh, one way that I push back, you talk about Job, um, and I know there's a lot of talk about the God of the Old Testament versus the New Testament, uh, pre-Jesus, that kind of stuff, um, is how he relates to Job and the way that he punishes and then rewards and stuff like that, something that we can still have be applicable today. I mean, post-Jesus, post, like, our mediator, post-everything, you know what I'm saying? I think that's my first question. And second of all, I think with suffering, like, the quintessential answer I heard as a kid was like, um, why do we have suffering in the world? Well, it's because we have free will. Like if there wasn't sin, then, or there wasn't like the opportunity to sin, then you would have the opportunity to choose God or not choose God or to choose to not choose God. And so like the whole idea of like, if, you know, if, if God didn't give us the option to reject him, then we wouldn't just be slaves. And, you know, we don't want to be robots. We want to have free will in, in our relationship with Christ and to live in the world and, and be able to act in that, but then act, uh, uh, in his, like uh, we have the opportunity to be in the world and to be ourselves, but then to follow God and, and act in his path um, because we have free will. And so that's what I've always heard about suffering, which like is like a great answer until like you actually are suffering like for real. And then also you're like, wow, this actually is terrible. Like this is like, why can't God make it then that we can have free will without having to suffer? Right. And so, yes, I agree with all the things you said, but with those two things, first of all, do you think that it's close minded to just believe like, Oh, if we have, we have free will, so because of that, we have suffering. Do you think that's close-minded? Do you think we have to take a step far, farther and say, maybe that, maybe not. Uh, maybe there's more to God than that. Maybe I need to push back and wrestle with God. I know um, you and Anna talked about um, doubting God and looking into that and being very real about, like, what do I actually feel? How do I feel it? Like, if God's really that powerful, he'll come through every single time. Like, do you need to be there, or is it okay to be... Um, I don't want to say I have a child like mine, but just accept it and say, well, I don't know, but God tells us that we have free will and because of that, there's suffering. So here we are. Yeah, there's so much in that. Uh, (laughs) So I will do my best to remember and hit that. First of all, I would say when it comes to our experiences in this world, I'm going to draw from a philosopher by the name of Jordan Peterson. He says the cost of existence, the cost for you and me to be alive is suffering. Mm -hmm. And what he references out in his belief is that 
God by nature is limitless. Humans by nature and being created are limitful. In other words, we constantly encounter limits. And as soon as we encounter that limit, well, that is the experience of suffering because we are not able to do everything that we think we need to do. Mm -hmm. And so the cost of existence is suffering. And so as a mental picture, people people oftentimes view life as it should be up here. And then when I go through points of suffering, like, oh God, why are you letting this happen? Why are you letting this happen? The reality is for us to be even alive, like life is suffering. And whenever you have moments or weeks or months of joy, that's God's provision and blessing Mm -hmm. in the situation because the world is flipped. And we oftentimes, I think, take for granted every good and perfect thing comes from above. And with that lens, I think it gives us a better perspective of the brokenness that we're in and celebrating the joy that we can have in the midst of that brokenness. I think I would explain that as like a dual citizenship of heaven and earth, right? Like Mm -hmm. our spirits are like longing for heaven, like we understand what that is. And so we see glimpses of that, that glory. And we see glimpses of that. And, um, my pastor, Chad Clark said, um, like we did a sermon series on what is the kingdom of God and talking about where it is and how we can see it. And so like that, I think that we see that, but then your, your, your humanness is like stuck on earth. That's a dual citizenship. So you're like, while you're like longing for and seeing and expecting, Heaven, you're experiencing earth. And I think that's where that comes in. But to answer both those questions, what do you think about the God of the Old Testament versus the New Testament? And how do you reference that? Can we still trust in what Job learned? Yeah, again, another massive topic that you could <laughs> take a whole years worth of classes on. Uh, I do believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that Jesus and God the Father are one. And so we we tend to dichotomize these two different gods, or three if you enter the Holy Spirit in the, in the modern age. Correct. But I, I think it's all the same. And so with that, you have this God who is just, and, and there's a need for justice because— uh, there is pain and suffering in this world. And just to, to erase that without the sense of justice uh, isn't okay. But then there's also this balance of perfect mercy. And there's this, this companionship that both must be present. Uh, and, and I actually think you get a beautiful portrayal of that in the book and the movie and the play Les Mis of mm-hmm. perfect mercy combining with perfect justice, which doesn't quite make sense to us. And that's why, you know, Javert has to, he ultimately dies because he cannot exist in that presence. But God is the balance of perfect mercy and perfect justice. And I choose to place my faith in that. I love that. Cool. Well, that's, I guess, a good way to wrap up. Uh, <laughs> can we trust God even in the midst of this in seven minutes? Um, and the last question, this is a really good one too. Okay. Uh, is the coronavirus from the devil? So to expand on that, like, uh, is like the devil like pulling strings like Wah! you know saying like creating scientists to like create like a bioweapon or creating animals to mix and create some terrible thing that we're experiencing or is it just a result of the fall yeah that's a, another question that I guess I, I don't have a the answer to but I have some thoughts I can give you sure. I feel like it's easy to give the devil so much authority because anything that could possibly go wrong, it could be blamed on the devil from the coronavirus to I stubbed my toe. The devil's a liar, right? Okay. So, so at what level is the devil actually causing you to stub your toe versus you just being a klutz? Like I'd have my hypotheses on that. I don't know. Ultimately what I would argue is that in all things, if Jesus really did conquer the grave, the devil doesn't have the power to destroy or defeat you. 
And that's what I would place my emphasis on, not how much power the devil has to control or to create a virus or to do whatever, but I would focus my energies on Jesus and the power that I have in him to conquer death, to conquer the, the attacks of the enemy that are going to come against us. Because it is true. There are, you know, far battles not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, to paraphrase. Uh, and, and I think when we get so focused on, ah, the devil's a liar, uh, we lose sight of, my God is victorious. Uh, how do you, yes. Um, so, like, again, growing up, I heard a lot of, like, um, like, if you're struggling or something like that, you can speak the name of Jesus and say, name of Jesus, devil go away, right? And, like, you can banish that and he'll have to leave. Like, the power of God is true. And I, I believe that because, okay. right, Jesus won. Sure. So, like, uh, throw back to me, like, I don't know, like, in fifth grade, right? And I was, like, learned that, went home, and I was, like, brushing my teeth. And I was all, like, angry for some reason. I was, like, why am I so angry? And then I was, like, oh, it's a devil, right? And so I, like, said out loud, I was, like, the name of Jesus, devil go away. And my parents were in their room, and they're, like, Chase. And I was, like, yeah. And they're, like, Chase, yeah, everything okay? And I was, like, yeah. And I went in their room, and I was, like, um, okay, I don't know. And they're like, well, why do you say, like, we heard you yelling. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I don't know if they thought I was, like, casting out demons in my bathroom, right? But I was like, no, no, no. Like, really just trying to, like, learn, put to practice what I learned uh, today at uh, church. And so, like, that, like, threw me for a loop. But then you say, too, like, uh, our battle's not flesh and blood, like, right? Like, the, you know, the devil already lost. And so if you believe that he has any power of you, he shouldn't because he just won. But how do you explain to, like... Um, like go outside of our first world country, go into some places maybe that are a little bit more spiritual, what that looks like, or even people too who are like, oh, I'm a seer and I can see, you know, the the spiritual realm or, oh, I'm um, a person who can, um, as, as, you know, like visions or, or sees spiritual warfare or, or can experience it or can walk into a room and feel that or feel a dark presence or why do you explain the need for exorcism and all that kind of stuff too if, that's already defeated. So, like, I think there's a weird issue there for me of, like, oh, it's, we beat it, so we don't have to worry about it. But then, like, there's people that haven't. I know I have explained, my mom always said, like, oh, don't give the devil a foothold, right? Like, you know, you watch, a, you know, a horror movie about, you know, Satan and, and different cults. And it's like, well, you just expose your mind to those kind of things. And, like, how much power is that actually in your life? I'm not sure. Um, but, like, I think that it's, like, we... We um, want to be comfortable so we diminish what the devil can do and say, no, 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 like we're fine. And then we're stupid about it. And then we can open ourselves up to things. But where in that then do we live in a Christian place of not being afraid, but then not overindulging? Because I think Satan does do things, but I also think that you're right. Like we've already defeated. So things that happen now, like this pandemic, are, are thanks to the fall. Um, but that's great. So where's the balance between fear and wisdom and how to operate? Because, yeah. uh, I mean, I empathize in Western culture and Christianity diminishes the work of the supernatural and the spiritual. But you go into some of these countries like Haiti and you have witch doctors and stuff. And there's a very real uh, supernatural presence that's out there that Western Christianity tends to pretend doesn't exist. And so I think you got to accept that. You got to accept the spiritual warfare. I mean, heck, you look at Daniel. Daniel prayed for an answer, didn't come, and he asked God why, and God says, well, I answered you immediately, but it took a week for me to send the delivery mm -hmm. because of the spiritual warfare that was happening around. And the praying for it and pr intercessory praying is what, I mean, like, what? Like, okay, yeah. that's in the Bible of, yeah. of spiritual warfare and praying and stuff like this? And so there's a whole world out there that, that exists, and I think on one hand, many people don't go far enough, as you said, because to pretend this, the supernatural isn't there is just wrong because it, it's there. But to go so far, like, man, that's a, there's a, there's a balance. Uh, 
and I don't pretend to have the master's degree on the balance of spiritual warfare versus the world that we live in is just being corrupted. What I would say though is God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And so with every given scenario, instead of reacting with fear and, oh my gosh, what is the devil doing? Just to recognize and say, okay, God, how am I supposed to respond in this situation? Uh, and and that's where we believe the Holy Spirit truly intercedes for us with moans and like, like That's the role of the Holy Spirit in us to give us wisdom and to give us guidance as to how we should pray in a situation. And not that we'll always give it right, but the amazing thing is you got the Holy Spirit. It, it's, it's less about getting it right and more about getting yourself postured towards Jesus. And in that process of prayer and intercession and seeking God, uh, I think we're able to move closer to him no matter what the cause is than further away. Because at the end of the day, it's about trusting in Jesus. And I think any response that brings you closer in line with that is going to be a step in the right direction. Mm. At least that's my take on it. <laughs> I love that. Sweet. Well, so we had three big questions, and I think those kind of expanded some other ones. But that's all the questions I have, so thanks for uh, your all-knowing wisdom and power. And then for my input as well, I think. So, yeah. <laughs>